Father, I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. God, I thank you for not uh, getting tired of us. Lord, um, you are so patient. And today we come and we want to be learners. We want to sit under your authority today as we elevate the, the authority of your scriptures over us. We submit to it. And God, we say, Lord, we're clay in your hand. Mold us. Father, I pray for our church family, for those who are at home, maybe sick, maybe some who have uh, the coronavirus right now. I pray, Lord, that you would be their comforter, that you would be their peace, Lord, that you would uh, keep them safe, oh, Father. And others who maybe are home who want to be here, but just it's not wise or they're not ready or maybe they have pre-existing health conditions or, or maybe they're just fearful and, Lord, they're discouraged. Like, I pray, God, that you would allow them to know that even still you are there. God, the psalmist says there's nowhere we can go away from your presence. There's nowhere. If you met Jonah, the bottom of a sea, you'll meet us, God, in our bedroom, in this sanctuary, uh, in our car, wherever. So, Lord, I I pray that with that, you would grant us the grace to have ears that can hear you speak to us and eyes that can see you at work. And, Lord, I pray that we would be humble and submissive to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. So today we're diving back into our series on the book of Romans. Uh, doctrine that dances. God wants to put us on the move as he teaches us more about who he is and what he's done. As we get ready to get in our passage today, I want to ask you, what is the most physically grueling thing you've ever done? What is the most physically demanding thing you've ever done? Or maybe something you do regularly that you say, this is extremely physically demanding. Some of you might say it's like something like a Spartan race that you trained for. Maybe you might say it's sticking to a diet. Maybe giving birth. Hiking up a mountain. Jumping out of a plane. Any any plane jumpers in the room right now? Any of y'all online? All right, we got got some. My goodness, you're bolder than me. Uh, Maybe it's high-intensity sports. Uh, Think about it. What is the most physically grueling thing you've ever done? I'm a runner. I enjoy running. I started running in, in eighth grade, and, and it's something that God has just given me as a kind of a gift from my soul to keep me sane sometimes. But I remember in high school, my coach would, would give us some grueling uh, trainings. Uh, on Mondays in particular, we did what we were called speed workouts, a lot of fast, shorter intervals. We'd run them over and over and over, many, many uh, repetitions. And in particular, our coach liked to drive us from Lane Tech to Montrose Harbor uh, at the lakeshore. And at Montrose Harbor, there, was this, there is this big hill. If you ever been to Montrose Beach, you know what I'm talking about. There's this big hill there. And we would do quarter-mile sprints up the hill and around, and, and we would do, we, we'd do that. We'd pause for, for 60 seconds and do it again. And we'd do 14, 15, 20 intervals sometimes. It, it, was, it was exhausting. And I remember there's times our coach was like, all right, you got two more intervals. I need you to press in here. And we would give it all that we got. And then by the last one, we're almost at the point of vomiting. He's like, man, great practice. We'll see you in the next practice. He got in his car and drove away and left us at Montrose Harbor. So now after that, we had to run 
back to Lane Tech because none of us had brought our, our, our bus cards, our tokens back in the day. And so, our bus tokens, sorry if y'all don't know about that. But, but like, this was grueling. I mean, this is something that would, that would like put us to the end. Now, I want to ask you, if, if we were to apply that same question, how would you apply that to your spiritual life? What is the most spiritually difficult activity that you do? Well, what is the most spiritually difficult thing? And, you know, as, as I've lived my Christian life, and as I've uh, been a, in leadership in the church, as I've walked with people and people have walked with me, perhaps one of the most common answers I hear to a question like that, the most difficult thing to do as a Christian, is to pray. It's certainly one of, if not the most difficult thing to do. And what makes prayer so difficult at times is that for many of us, it just doesn't come naturally. We know that prayer is beautiful because in our prayers, we get to talk to God. I mean, we get to commune with the God of eternity. And then we feel like, man, God, but why is it so hard for me? Maybe for some of us, it's discouragement. Like, we, it's hard to pray because we're discouraged because we don't feel like praying. Maybe we're disappointed because we haven't gotten the answers to prayer that we had hoped for. Maybe we feel dumbfounded because we don't know what to say when we pray. You ever been there where you're like, you sit down to pray, you're like, God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say right now. Maybe you're, you're distressed because you find that you have such self-centered impulses. And whenever you sit down to pray, all you think about is what you want. Maybe you feel dejected because you're like, man, I should be better than this. You go down the list, prayer is difficult for a host of reasons. And then on top of that, you sit down to pray and you're like, man, I got to do this still today, this, this. And before you know it, you spend 10 minutes thinking about the 10 things you're supposed to do after you pray instead of praying. And this is the way it works for us so often. I know how discouraging it gets because I'm in that same boat with you guys. What we're going to learn today is that God wants to teach us to learn to lean a little and learn to lean a lot upon him in prayer. I want you to think about it this way. You ever been on a road trip or imagine being on a road trip and you're driving, you're starting to feel a little lost. And then the lights in your car start flashing and you realize your alternator is going out. And then now the car shuts down and you pull over to the side of the road. And there you are, lost and broken down. And you're like, man, I don't know what to do right now. This is where your auto insurance comes in. Because like a good neighbor, they're there for you. Right? No matter where you're at nationwide, they're on your side. So the, those 15 minutes that you spent are saving you 15% or more on your car insurance. Now it's time for it to kick in, right? You call your auto insurance, and they send a tow truck to you. And that tow truck comes and finds you lost and broken down, and it tows your vehicle, maybe not to where you thought you were trying to go, but where the vehicle needs to go now. Where the vehicle needs to get to in order for it to get back on track, to get repaired. In the same way, our prayer lives can oftentimes feel so lost and broken down. You with me here? And when you feel lost and broken down, I want you to know that there is hope and help for your broken down prayers. Because when your prayers are broken down, the Holy Spirit can tow those prayers to the Father. He can tow your prayers to the Father when your prayers don't know what they're supposed to be doing. I know there's times where I feel this way in my prayer life. 
I hope that today, as a result of what we're about to jump into in Romans 8, 26 and 27, that we are inspired and reminded in the fact that when our prayers don't seem to make sense, as God is at work even still, that the Holy Spirit will take those broken prayers still to our Heavenly Father. Y'all want to know how he does that? Well, join me in the book of Romans, chapter 8, as I read verses 26 and 27. And whether you're here in person or at home, please stand with me as I read God's word. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us, amen, in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Can you say for us? He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is God's word, church, and this is what the Spirit does. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about how the Spirit tows your broken prayers to the Father. And so right off the bat, Paul tells us, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We see right off the bat that that Paul says that the Spirit helps us and that we need a lot of it. We need a lot of help. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So the first thing we see is that he helps us. The word likewise tells us something. It tells us that it's wise to look back and see what the previous verses are like. That's what it means to to say likewise. Basically what Paul is saying is the Spirit also does this. He helps us. Well, the idea of likewise should trigger for us to say, well, what else does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, Romans 8 tells us a number of things, but I'm going to back up a little bit more. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things for us followers of Jesus. And he does so because the Holy Spirit is indeed God himself. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not an it. He is God. He is eternal God. The Holy Spirit has no beginning. The Holy Spirit has no ending. He doesn't get older because he's outside of time. The Holy Spirit doesn't sleep. The Holy Spirit is always at work because he is God. He is called holy because that's part of who he is. And God alone is holy. But what happens is sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives or maybe we misunderstand his work in our lives for a variety of different reasons. Some of us may have grown up in a tradition where we look at people who are very excited about the Holy Spirit's work, and we were taught to see those people through a suspicious eye. We were told that they're too emotional or too excited and that they're not real substantive. That's a horrible thing, but that, that's how many have been taught. And so what happens is the pendulum swings and there becomes a gross neglect of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. There comes to be a place where because they don't want to be like what they view to be the extremists, they become the negligent. And he who is God becomes forgotten. But then there are some maybe who see those who are 
on the more mild scale, and they say, now we need to get them more excited. And so some might try to manipulate the Holy Spirit, and they try to, to overdo things and say that it's the Spirit when it's really just them trying to overdo something. And some people might say, no, no, that's, that's an extreme. So, so there's other correctives. And so basically what happens, some might try to manipulate the Spirit, or some might neglect the Spirit. But what happens is, because we're not anchored on what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, we become twisted in our view of who he is. Now, of course, today we don't have time to get into all what the Bible has to say about the Spirit of God. But there are a number of things that are so important for us. The Holy Spirit is himself God. He has a personhood. Not to say he has hands and feet, but he speaks to us. Amen. He leads us. He convicts us. He grants us joy. He gives us strength. He could be grieved by our sin or quenched by our neglect of him. He fills believers. He baptizes all of us at the moment of our conversion to Jesus Christ. And then he seals us for the hope of eternal life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes feeble people and makes us stronger. Sometimes when he works, he moves in our emotions. We get so excited or so moved that we can't help but shout a little bit. You know what I mean? We, we can't help to, to stomp a little bit in praise or give a hand clap or a shout of joy because it's the Spirit of God at work. But there's other times that maybe he's working and it doesn't, he, his working does not produce that kind of response, but maybe it's more of a contemplative response, more of a, more of a, 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 calm, a calming on our lives. You see, the Spirit is at work in different ways in all of us who have put our faith in Jesus. He is always doing something. But at the end of the day, no matter what, when the Spirit comes into our lives, when we put our faith in Jesus, that's when he enters into us, he changes us, church. He makes a difference. Nothing is the same because of him. He takes people who are timid and makes them strong and courageous. I think of Peter in the Bible. When Jesus is arrested, he flees. He, he lingers at a distance. He comes to, to the courtyard where Jesus is tried, and, and three times he denies Jesus in Jesus' greatest moment of need. His best friend, he forsakes him. And Peter, through cursing and yelling, denies the fact that he knows Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead, Forty days later, that same Peter is up preaching the gospel to over 5,000 people, courageous no matter what the consequence. What's the difference between the Peter that denies Jesus three times and the Peter that leads 5,000 people to Jesus 40 days later? Well, the answer is found in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit empowered Peter, and Peter was never the same. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, he is a game changer. He can do to us what he did to Steve Urkel in that 90s sitcom, Family Matters. He took him from, Stephan Ur from Steve Urkel to Stefan Urkel, the confident Steve Urkel, right? The Holy Spirit changes us, church. If you don't know about that, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. He makes a difference in our lives. And Paul says here, likewise, this same Holy Spirit also does other things in our lives. In, in Romans 8, verse 2, he sets us free from the law of sin and death. 
In Romans 8, verse 13, he gives us victory over sin. In Romans 8, 15, he allows us to call God our Abba, our Father. The Spirit redeems our bodies, and we long for that. God the Holy Spirit is always at work, and Paul says, likewise, there's more. He also helps us. He helps you. The Holy Spirit helps me. He helps everyone who has put their faith in Jesus. This word helps means to come alongside of someone, to to come along with them, to bear a burden with, or to enter into an alliance with someone. And the operative word here is with. The Spirit joins us. He helps us in our weakness. Now watch this. He comes alongside of us in our weakness, which means, watch this, church, He doesn't remove your weakness. He helps you in it. Well, what does that word weakness mean? It it entails all of our weaknesses that we experience in this life. The aches and pains in our bodies. The chronic illness or fatigue we might have. That diagnosis that's with us for the rest of our lives. Those, Those wounds from our past those discouragements and setbacks in life. Like, these are the weaknesses, the spiritual attacks. These are the weaknesses. And we are told here that this Holy Spirit helps you and I in our weakness, which means he steps into our struggle and joins us in it, not always removing the struggle. This is part of his ministry to us. He helps us in our weakness, our suffering, our struggle. I love, man, I love how God works. Because so many times we want the difficulties of life to just be washed away. But God's like, but, but we need those difficulties. So rather than just taking them away and leaving us as immature people, he keeps us in them, in it, but joins us in it as well. You know, this past week, let me illustrate it this way. We were uh, cooking dinner, and Erica was making uh, butternut squash, and she had asked me to cut the butternut squash for her. And uh, our youngest son, Levi, is actually quite the chef himself. He loves to cook. He loves to help out. And so on this particular occasion, he asked if he can help me cut the butternut squash. Now, as I was cutting the butternut squash, I realized, like, it's hard to cut, actually. The shell of the squash is hard, it's firm, and even the meat part of it was pretty firm. So I had to kind of put my elbow into that thing as I cut it. And so he asked to help cut. And on the one hand, I realized, man, it's going to be tough for him to do it. The other hand, I'm like, I don't want to discourage his, his budding culinary skills here, right? And so uh, he pulled up his, his stool and began to try to cut. And he got through halfway, but then it was hard to get through the entire butternut squash. Now, I could have said, all right, let me, let me just finish this for you. But that wouldn't have helped him. And so all I did was just apply a little pressure to the knife and press down so he was able to cut through. And one at a time, he cut through the butternut squash. And at the end, he did a great job and felt super accomplished because he helped contribute to making our dinner. But you know, in that situation, had I just said, no, no, I got this, I got this. Let me just cut it real quick for you. He would have missed out on that opportunity of growth. You see, what the Holy Spirit does is he comes alongside of us in our weaknesses, and he says, no, I don't want you to give up right now. I need you to press in. I need you to keep journeying forward, but I'm here to help you in it, and you need a lot of help. 
I'm going to press in here. I'm going to apply my strength where you are weak. But I'm going to let you see that my strength is actually made perfect in your weakness. And so where you are weak and discouraged, God's like, I'm going to work in the middle of that. And so when you feel frustrated that God hasn't removed your weakness or your struggle or your adversity or your suffering, let that be a reminder to you that God's like, hey, I may not be removing this, but I'm going to apply my hand here in your life. I'm going to form and forge you in this adversity that's at work here. There, There is beauty in the struggle. So that when we face the challenges, we actually can say hallelujah to those challenges. Because now the Spirit's helping me. Hallelujah, because my weakness is giving the Spirit of God an opportunity to flex a little bit. In my weakness, I'm learning to lean a little so I can then learn to lean a lot. My weakness is now giving me the opportunity to trust God here. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. But more specifically, we're about to see is Paul narrows down the weakness area here because he wants us to understand he doesn't just help us in our weaknesses generally, but he also helps us in our specific weaknesses as it relates to prayer. Remember those broken down prayers at the side of the road? Well, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, but he also prays for us when we don't know how to do it. When we don't know what to pray, when we just don't get it, the Spirit prays for us. Isn't this a beautiful thing? He helps us and he prays for us. Notice what Paul says. But the, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Now, when he says as we ought, it's not like, man, you should know how to pray. And I'm really mad and disappointed that you don't. But because you don't, I'm going to help you out. But it's more of a, these situations, this is how we ought to pray, but we don't always know what we ought to say. You you ever sit down to pray for a situation, and you're like, God, I'm not even sure what to pray for right now, God. It's this kind of moment, but, but we know we ought to pray. The Spirit, we're told, intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we don't know what to pray, when we, when we, when we. I I love this because the person writing this is the Apostle Paul. And what he just did right here, he put himself in your shoes and my shoes. He's saying, hey, I've, I've been there too when I'm praying and I don't know what to pray. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote that beautiful prayer in Philippians 1 or Ephesians 1, or Colossians 1. Like, this is that same Paul. And he's saying, man, there's times I don't know what to pray. He, he, he uses that, 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 that plural personal pronoun, we, when we don't know what to, what, to, what to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. It's the Spirit who stands in the gap. That's what intercede means. He stands in the gap for us to help us in our prayers. And I praise God for that. He does so, Paul says, with groanings too deep for words. Now, this is a fascinating statement. Because it's telling us that the Spirit is doing something when we don't know what to pray. With groanings too deep for words. I want you to think about that. You know, as, I, as I read that, 
I really began to wonder, like, what, what is Paul getting at here? Who, who's doing the groaning here when, when the Spirit is praying for us? Is it me groaning because I don't know what to say? I've been there before. You ever been there? Where you're just like, God, I don't know. Or sometimes it's just, it's just tears. Or it's, or it's just like, God, I just don't know, God. Is that the groaning that the Spirit is speaking through? Or is the groaning something that we don't hear that he's doing on our behalf? After all, we find in verse 22, it says that creation is groaning. Same word. We don't always hear creation groaning. We don't go outside and say, oh, I hear it. Yep, that's, that's creation groaning. But it groans with every earthquake and every tornado and tsunami. Crea- creation is groaning. And then verse 23, it says actually that we ourselves are groaning. And we're not always perpetually groaning, but it says we're groaning, longing for the redemption of our bodies. Like, like when you get out of bed and you're like, oh, God, Jesus, come back one day, right? Come back. And, and there, there is also a longing in our soul just saying, man, I long for heaven. There's a groaning there. So I, I, I wonder, is the groaning that, that the Spirit, and when he prays, is it us when we're audibly saying something and it may not make sense, and the Spirit's like, that's, that's me talking through you? Or is it a groaning that we don't hear? What, what's true in either case? It's the Spirit who's groaning on our behalf. The Spirit of God is saying something to the Father when you and I don't know what to say. When your prayers are lost and broken down on the side of the road, the Holy Spirit will tow those prayers to the Father. He is so gracious to us. He is so good to us. And I want to remind us here that this same Holy Spirit who's praying for us and teaching us to pray is the same Spirit that indwells every follower of Jesus. As one of our friends likes to say, and as they heard from someone else, that there is no Holy Spirit Junior for little kids or a Holy Spirit Junior for the, for the younger in the faith. If you put your faith in Jesus, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit that's interceding for Paul is interceding for you, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, whether you're 20 years old in the faith or two months old in the faith, the Holy Spirit of God is praying for you. He's helping you in your weakness and you've got a lot of it. He's praying for you when you just don't get it. But there's a third thing the Holy Spirit is doing for us. He is advocating for God's will even when we don't know he's doing it. See, he is placing us. He is praying to the Father and placing us in the Father's will, saying, Father, let your will be done in this person's life. And we see that there in verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What this tells us is that the Father knows our hearts And the Spirit is in perfect unity with the Heavenly Father. So when the Holy Spirit's praying for us, He's doing so according to the Father's will. Like, like watch this, like, 
God the Holy Spirit is taking your broken prayer that's even praying the wrong things and bringing it to the Father to bring it to pray for the right thing. Sometimes the most gracious thing God has ever done for you, I mean, of course, not greater than the cross. One of the gracious things God does for you, y'all, is to not answer the prayers you've been asking him for. Because God's like, man, you still, you still praying, asking for that? It ain't good for you. I ain't going to give that to you. Some of y'all, God, God didn't, did not allow a relationship. God like, no, that ain't, that ain't good for you. No, I'm sparing you from that mess. Or maybe God didn't let you get into that school you were trying to get into. God's like, no, that school would have pulled you away from me. But you prayed for it. Or maybe you prayed for that promotion and you got passed up and you're like, God. And God's like, hey, I know what's best for you. That promotion was not my answer. You see, the Holy Spirit saying, I know the will of the Father. And I'm going to intercede that for you, even when you don't really realize what God wants to work out in your life. God is so gracious. And so when God's will doesn't seem clear to you, it doesn't mean that it's not clear to God. God knows what you need. And he shows us this great display of kindness. Now, I said that the Spirit advocates for God's will. And I use the word advocate on purpose. Because in John 14 through 16, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And he uses a Greek word called paraclete. Can you say paraclete? The word paraclete could be translated a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's advocate. He's sometimes our comforter or our helper. And this word paraclete means kind of all these things in one word. He comes alongside of us. And so what the Spirit does, he's saying, now I want God's, I want the Father's will to be done in your life. And that's what I'm going to pray for for you, even when you might be praying something different. I'm going to bring your prayers. I'm going to tell them to the Father, bring them to the right place. The Spirit is advocating. He is promoting God's will to you. Man, what a gracious ministry. What a gracious ministry that even in our lostness sometimes, even when we're confused, the Spirit's like, man, I got this. Even when we don't know it. Here's a wild thing. Because we're also told in the Bible that Jesus intercedes for us. You know, in 1 John 2, 1, it says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's our advocate. He's advocating for us. See, when Satan tries to accuse us and remind us of our sin, Jesus steps in. Hebrews 9, 24 says that for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. We're told in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus always lives to make intercession for the saints. We're told ultimately that Jesus is seated. When he died on the cross, he was placed in the grave to conquer sin. And then he rose from the grave to conquer death, and he ascended into heaven. He is glorified, sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now. And what's he doing there? Well, these Hebrews passages, that first John passage, in fact, in verse 34 of the same chapter, we're told that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you. He is interceding to the Father on your behalf. He is advocating for you because you have an enemy saying himself who wants to accuse you to the Father. 
The Satan, what Satan wants to do is say, no, nah, look, look at their guilt. Look what they did. Look what they said. Look what they're thinking. And Jesus says, yes, their sin is before them, but I took their sin on the cross. So when the Father sees them, he sees them with my righteousness covering them. And so Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is advocating for you, sitting there at the right hand of the Father. Our God cares about you, church. But watch this. Not only is Jesus right there at the Father's side interceding for you, but we're seeing in this passage that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, Declaring to the Father interceding for you as well, that you would walk in God's will. And so there we see the Father working, the Son standing in the gap, and the Spirit leading us in God's will. All our God is interceding for you. Man, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. This is part of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Church, Don't downplay the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget about the Holy Spirit. And also with that, let's not downplay our weaknesses. Because when we're weak, the Spirit is in our weakness, working alongside of us, doing His thing. When your prayers are lost, when your prayers are broken down, the Spirit will tow them. That's good news for you and I. He makes all the difference in the world. You know, this past summer, uh, our oldest son, Lucas, was playing baseball. And we're playing in a baseball league. And when you play baseball, there are certain regulations for baseball bats. You could use certain bats in some leagues and other bats you can't use in other leagues because some bats have what they call a little more pop in them. It's the kind of bat when you swing it, the ball's going to fly off it with a lot more speed and distance. Those bats are called U-S-S-S-A bats, U-Triple-S-A bats. And then they have other bats that minimize the pop for more safety reasons for kids. And those are called USA bats. We played in a league that allowed either kind of bat. Now, the thing is, those U-Triple-S-A bats cost a little more money, you know what I mean? And so our team ain't had no U-Triple-S-A bats in them. We're playing against other teams who actually had those bats. Our team did good in 10-game season. We went 5-5. Five and five. We did all right. But what we realized, at least at the time I did not realize, was how much of a difference those bats made. So we're competing with our USA bats against teams that had U-Triple-S-A bats. After our season was over, I was like, man, let me do a little more research in this. And I'm like, man, everyone's saying that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game-changer difference. So I went on uh, offer up where everyone else who can't afford things buy things, right? And so I found a used U-Triple-S-A bat. I thought, let me buy this thing, 70 bucks, and see what, it's, see what it's like. I brought it to our next fall practice for our fall team, and the kids began to swing with it. And like, bing, we're seeing that ball fly. It got to the point, by the end of practice, every kid's like, can I have a turn with the bat? Can I have a turn? Because it turned mediocre hitters into stronger hitters. It made all the difference in the world. It got to the point that we were looking back in our previous season saying, man, if you hit that ball, remember that ball, that double you hit? If you used that bat, that would have been a homer. That game we lost by two runs, man, this bat would have made, we would have won that game. We would have got to this and that. We're realizing looking back. Because the problem for us was we're playing in a league with U-Triple-S-A bats, and we're using really natural kind of USA bats. We were using the wrong equipment to compete in the wrong division. 
We were using the wrong equipment for a situation that needed something a little more high power. This is what it's like, church. When we who are followers of Jesus are trying to live our lives apart from the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. We're living in a world that demands something more, and we're trying to use and walk this life and pray through natural means. When we need the supernatural, we need God, the Holy Spirit, at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit's the game changer. He is the game changer. And so when you pray, let's not forget that God is in you. When you pray, don't forget that God is praying for you. And when you're praying and you're feeling weak and your prayers are lost and your prayers are broken down, remember that there's a God who's towing that broken prayer to the Father. But also remember this. The Spirit's not like, stop praying, I got this. But keep praying, I got this. You see, even with the baseball bats, our kids had to still hit the ball. They couldn't just go up there and throw the bat in the air and just go, bang, hit the ball. They had to learn the technique. They still had to work at it. They put in the work, but the bat helped out. In the same way, the Spirit's like, hey, I need you to pray. Though you're weak, I need you to pray. Though you don't know what to say, I need you to pray. If all you got are groans, I need you to groan because I'm going to take your prayers and bring them to the Father according to the Father's will. And the Father's will is good, even when things might be difficult. So when you're discouraged because of lack of desire, let this cause you encouragement. When you are disappointed because there's no apparent answer to your prayer, be thankful because maybe you're not getting the answer that you shouldn't get. Or maybe God is saying, wait, but God is still at work. When you're dumbfounded and you don't know what to say, be encouraged because the Spirit's saying it for you. When you're distressed because of your self-centeredness, you say, God, help me think about others. Help me pray according to your will. See, when you feel weak and slumped in the shoulders and your prayer life is limp, the Holy Spirit will strengthen it. He's going to teach you to learn to lean a little. And then he's going to teach you to learn to lean a lot. Your prayers will be told to the Father. Because the Spirit is actively helping us, and we need a lot of it. The Spirit is actively praying for us when we just don't get it. And the Spirit is advocating for God's will, even when you don't know it. He is at work, and I thank God for it. Church, let's get to the business of praying. Even though it might feel like the most physically or spiritually difficult thing you do, And I say this to you as I say it to myself, but let's pray. Thirsty prayers, trusting that our God offers help when our prayers are broken down. He is so good to us. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, I thank you for hearing us. Even as I pray right now and God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are, you are interceding right now. You're praying through me. You're praying for me. You're praying for us. You're working in us. And so, God, I pray that you would remind us frequently of the work that you're doing in the spiritual realm. Though we may not be able to see your hand, though we may not be able to hear those groans, I pray that you would remind us that you still are doing it. 
and that that activity that you are at work in us would move us then to join you in prayer, to join you in this work. Spirit, thank you for helping us. Thank you for stepping in. I pray that we learn to trust and rely on you in all that we do. You are the game changer. You make all the difference in the world. And so I pray that we would learn to walk by your power according to the Father's will. Mighty God, we adore you. We put our hands there and open and we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand church, whether you're here in person or at home, and lift up the song of praise to our God. God, even as we sing that prayer, we know you hear us. Thank you for doing that. Dear God, I pray that this week we would be far more conscientious of your Holy Spirit living in every one of us who has put our faith in Jesus. God, I lift up those who maybe today is are hearing this saying, I don't know that game changer. I don't know the Spirit. I, I have not been changed, maybe because they have not put their faith in Jesus yet. And Lord, I pray that today even, that they would surrender their lives and confess their sins and God, forgive me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead for me. And that they would receive your forgiveness, God, and then receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, would you answer that prayer? So Lord, I, I come, we come today saying, God, have your way. We are clay in your hand. Mold and shape us according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.